Okay, you ready to start this show? Uh, your host of the evening is a really funny dude. Um, I forgot his last name, but I've seen him before. He's really funny. Uh, give it up for Mike. Coming to you live on tape from the penthouse of a partially completed commercial high-rise in glamorous Hollywood adjacent California. From the studios of Sirius XM West, boasting an obstructed view of one of LA's leading cement factories, this is The Tully Show. I am your host, Mike Tully. Joining me once again today, we are always happy to see... I have to stop talking in the royal way. It is offensive to me. <laughs> I am always happy to see Mark McGrath, the singer of Sugar Ray and the host of Mark McGrath's 120 Heard Weekends on the 90s on 9 here on Sirius XM. Hello. Mr. Mike Tolley, and I am always happy to see you, my friends. This is always fun. Always fun to chat music with you. Um, today we are, of course, talking about music. But we're talking about the intersection of a music world and uh, a completely different world, but a, a, I guess a related world. Mark, you have done a bit of acting? A little bit of acting. I don't like to paint with that brush, Tully, but yeah, Sharknado 2, 3, <laughs> and 6, Joe Dirt 2. I was in Scooby-Doo, and I've done a bunch of things. I was in Workaholics. I was in um, the Drew Carey show. So I've been fortunate enough to do some things that don't require much heavy lifting. Let's put it that way. How many times have you played Not You? Um, I played guy in band many times. I played not me a lot of times, but I played someone similar to me. If you know what I'm saying, they've never allowed you to stretch out your dramatic range. You know, in Sharknado, I was uh, Finn Ian, not Ian Ian Ziering, the lead characters. I was I was his brother-in-law. So there's a big stretch I had to go through there and sort of get into my character Martin, who he was, where he's coming from, mm-hmm. his methodology, if you will. Oh, wow. <laughs> but that was the only time I really played someone opposite that wasn't in a band, yeah. had no like music sensibilities or anything like that. What's the attitude of the actors on a Sharknado set? Now, obviously, they they know it's a joke and they're not taking it very, very seriously. They know they're not making a Scorsese movie, but is it literally like, uh, hold on, I got to take a quick, you know, shot of Rumplemints to steal myself for this garbage I have to do again? Or is it like, okay, guys, let's try to make this fun for the dummies who like to get high and watch this? I think there's a little bit of both, depending on where you're coming from and what your role is. I mean, yeah. what made Sharknado work was Ian Ziering's earnest approach Agreed. to the character. Yeah. I mean, no one told him what they weren't making Die Hard. Right. And, and I remember, right. uh, <laughs> seriously, I remember going up to me... <laughs> I remember going up to meet him the first day in New York City in a trailer, mm-hmm. and I went about to, uh, a PA was taking me up to meet him. I was about to knock on the door, and I heard a coming from the, coming from inside the trailer. And I looked at the PA, and he must be writing for some comedy sitcom right now. He goes, "I think he's getting into character," and so I, I walked away from it. Now he he never broke the wall is what made Sharknado work so well. You know, they do a ton of these shark films every year on Sci-Fi Channel. Uh, shark, uh, shark Eats Octopus, uh, Megalodon. You know, there's a million shark films, which I didn't know until I got to Sharknado. Trailer Park Shark. All of those. Yeah. Sharknado works because Ian Ziering thought he was making uh, Die Hard. Now, you know, he, he knew what he was doing, but he never broke that fourth wall, which made it work. Now, yeah. now I love an unlikely... Tara Reid was a whole different story. You I know? love an unlikely comeback, and I don't think there is... You could write up a more unlikely comeback than Steve from 90210 is is uh is is a guy that is more beloved than he's ever been because of a dumb shark movie. Without he's an action movie hero. Right yeah, now. And you touched on it. Tell me a little bit about Tara Reid's process as an artist. Well, let me let me just double back a little bit of uh, Ian Ziering's process. Yeah. I was actually offered the role of Finn, which is Ian Ziering's role, first to be in the first Sharknado. This is a true story. Now, I go, okay, that's cool. They make these little films. No one ever see it. They gave me the script, and it was, I mean, this is going to sound really funny to show you my acting skill set. I looked at the script, and I go, this is too much acting for me. It, it's, it, it carries too much of this little shark movie. And so I turned it down. Literally turned it down, the role of Sharknado, and it went to Ian Ziering. And thank God it did, because you would never have heard of Sharknado. Sharknado. It wasn't for Ian Ziering's approach. He was approach the right guy it. for the job. He was absolutely the right guy. Is this guy. a known thing that you turned down the lead in Sharknado? I, I haven't told many people about it, uh, so this might be an exclusive here, Tully. I'm going to take that. Hold on. You keep talking. I'm going to go tell our PR people. Go ahead. Go run with that thing. we run got with a brand that new thing. studio here. I'm, yeah. sure, I'm sure there is someone. There's someone, someone care anywhere about what Mark McGrath did in <laughs> 2012. Uh, but So I think that's kind of an interesting little tidbit to that. But Tara had her own process. You know, mm-hmm. she, she still likes to have fun and go do her thing, but she was... Uh, <laughs> 
Well said. But she was uh, she was a perfect foil to Ian's uh, earnesty. Let's put it that way. But it was a fun thing to be a part yeah. of, you know, because like they gave me a lot of. Uh, I had a lot of lines in Sharknado too because I was playing. Uh, Finn Ian Ziering's character, uh, his his brother in law, and so they gave me a line. But but progressively, as I was in three and six, I got less and less lines. So I think uh, well, it became a cast of thousands. Too. Well, it did too. Yeah, everybody. I mean, everybody was part of that. That's what made it so fun. Yeah, Mark Cuban was part of it. I think Donald Trump was even in it for a second. I think. Now, don't quote me. Mm, he might not sound, have been. Doesn't sound very presidential. So no, I doubt. I doubt he would have been involved with something like that. <laughs> But it was fun to do. Carefully cultivated his relationship, uh, his uh, his image with an eye towards you know his later career aspirations. <laughs> right. that time. Sharknado to the White House. But I was on Celebrity Apprentice with uh, Donald Trump, so uh, I was once in a room with uh, Gary Busey, Donald Trump, and myself for eight hours, and one of us is the president of the United States right now. <laughs> when you put it that way, I feel it's you, not that far away, is it? When you put it that way, yeah, he was the yeah, wasn't the worst candidate in the <laughs> yeah. room. So what I wanted to talk with you about this week is um, music made by people who are known almost exclusively as actors, right? This is a thing that people do. Musicians think that they could probably act, and actors think that they could probably make music. Without a doubt. Right. right. You can even throw athletes into that, like, triumphant somewhere, but we don't need to do that today. You know what I mean? No, no, no. We could, if we, yeah, I thought about doing, there's maybe a whole other show of, you know, NBA players who thought they could rap. Oh, I, yeah. I don't know how I don't know how entertaining the fruit of their labor really really was. Look at Shaquille O'Neal's output. We can sort of us. Yeah. That was the high water mark. Right? He got a platinum record out of it. You know, that's a testament to just how incredibly <laughs> likable and famous Shaq he was. was. Yeah, that's, that's right. At that's a certain right. point, do the Gronk could have charted. You know? <laughs> You're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if you want to see the all-time worst effort at rapping in an athlete or a team. Go look at this Super Bowl shuffle by the Chicago Bears. I think it was 1985. Um, are you sure about that? Do you know that because of all the hype and attention that the Super Bowl shuffle got, the New England Patriots also made a video that you, year? No, I haven't seen theirs, but I've seen the Chicago Bears recently. And if the Patriots got did one worse, yeah, wow, it's my hat's really off. Really low budget by comparison. <laughs> That's saying something, dude. Yeah, because I think there was just a green screen and Richard Perry refrigerator dancing around. Tony for Eason a- was a lot of things. But- <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so perfect. Um, so yeah, there is a bunch of actors. Who... So we're going down Jared Leto Highway right now, aren't we? No, I left Leto out of this. Everybody knows. Uh, you know, I have so much respect for what he has accomplished. It, 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 he must really be. I've never met Jared Leto. I, I met his uh, brother that he's in Thirty Seconds to Mars with, and I'm not going to ask you to comment on this. He must be kind of unlikable because a likable celebrity would be rightly celebrated for having been an Oscar caliber actor and a legitimate, on-its-own-merits, really successful um, breakthrough musical artist. Charting, could could play live, and there's just something about that guy that... Um People really make him earn praise because if it was a if it was a likable guy, people would really think about holy shit that guy like Oscars and teen stardom and that thirty seconds to Mars single is one of the highlights of the emo genre without a doubt. I mean, he can sing, he can play, he's so talented, and he's found a way to sort of separate the two. Yeah, like when you look at thirty right. seconds to Mars, you don't think that the guy who's acting in a Dallas Buyers Club. That's right, you know, which is an incredibly hard thing to do. So. I have met him, and I know you don't want to talk about it. But I don't care. Okay. Uh, he's a nice guy, and I, I I know him how I know him. But I can see I can see what you know the angle you're, you're talk you're, you're going with too, because he should be celebrated for sort of separating the two and being a band that plays arenas around the world on his own merit. And he had to grind it out a little bit. It oh, wasn't oh just giving it to it him. For sure People wanted to hate that. 30 Seconds to Mars was set up to be a huge punching bag. Without a doubt. Yeah. And 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 and, and, and there was precedence before it that really sort of validated that. But so yeah. he had a- and we'll get into a couple of those. <laughs> okay. It wasn't their first album that hit, right? Oh, no, 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 no. He, he had a few records and he's been working hard and he's been he's very earnest about it. And he's talented. He's, he's incredibly talented. Yeah. I'm- I have the impression, having not met him, but knowing people who who have met him, that he regards music as, I think he's sort of a method actor when it comes to acting, Mm -hmm. and the singer of 30 Seconds to Mars is a role that he plays. Because I think when he is staying at or living at the Chateau Marmont, and Mm -hmm. people are trying to sleep, and he is bleating some song on an acoustic guitar at 3 o'clock in the morning and keeping everyone up, he is 
playing the role, the role. of 30 Seconds to right. Mars guy. Right. I, I think that's a fair assessment. I don't know, but I just know it, it is it, what he's he's done the impossible. Yeah. And, and he's, you know, like we said, he's super talented. You yeah. know, yeah. I just wanted to qualify that because he's a guy that like has done the impossible. Yeah. But it's, but it's fun not to talk about him for this for this instance. No, 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 no. Exactly. So here's some people who have done the very, very, very possible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Keanu. <laughs> I wonder oh, Keanu. how Keanu's coming up a little I later. Know, I know, I know. So this was before, I will say in its defense, before Maroon 5. So kind of anticipated that style of crooning. There's a little Coldplay-esque going there, going into the falsetto, you know? I want to say this is about... 10 years old? I need to know. That is off of the one and only album by this artist called The Futurist. That is an album by Robert Downey Jr. Wow. Now, I say wow because have you ever heard him sing with Sting on that police song? No. Okay. He, it's worth Googling. Because it is so much better than that. He sounds exactly like Sting, and it's amazing. Uh, it, it's note for note. It, it's Robert Downey Jr. and singing The Police. I think it might be Message in the Bottle or uh, or Walking on the Moon. I think he does. And it's note for note perfect, and it's breathtaking. You're like, wow, is there anything this guy can't do? I think I have the video. Are you finding? It's a video for sure. Which you're a fur. There he is. That's him singing, right? Yes. And now Sting's running with him. He's doing the harmony nicely. Right? Decent? Decent. Uh, it is, I think, a little easier maybe to... to when you can to- act like Robert he's acting like Sting yeah yeah when you're and he's mimicking his vocal mannerisms and all that too problem there he doesn't and then what he just played on the futurist he doesn't know who he wants to be he doesn't have his own voice no he's going in and out of a couple he got a little stappy he's a little stappy he's a little cold play he's a little pre uh, maroon 5 you know the hardest thing to do as a musician especially as a singer and as a guitar player as you know is to find your own tone to find your own sound so I think Robert Downey Jr. is obviously talented enough to mimic someone else, and that's why that Driven to Tears is not an easy song to sing. Right. Well, I think what most artists I'm do— I'm glad you pulled it up quickly because I want to just sort of validate what I'm talking about, man. My pleasure. I'm glad I was able to help there. Um, <laughs> my, <laughs> is uh, Many people go through a thing where for a while you're aping so-and-so singer, and then you move on and you ape this other person, and you do that two or three or four times, and eventually, hopefully, you come out on the other side, and some combination of them plus yourself has become your own unique style. We may have caught Robert Downey Jr. where he was still in the— What's my style? Yeah. Well, look, he's going through falsetto there. He's going for a rough, stappy thing, and he's yeah. going up and down and all around. He's trying to show us he can do it all, but by trying to show us he can do it all, he's doing nothing. Mm, yeah. So this next- And the um, song wasn't that great. No. I, wonder if they, I wonder, is he credited as a songwriter on it? I'm going to guess he was. <laughs> this next actor is just another absolute juggernaut, huge Hollywood superstar, had success with music- that I'm not going to play because everybody everybody knows it, and that's no fun. This is, I think he has so You already far, whittled it down to two for me. Right, okay. I think he's only made two or three albums, and this is the one after the one that people would be familiar with. Eddie Murphy, right? This is Eddie Murphy. 1989? Put your mouth on Put your me. mouth on me. I mean, give yourself a chance. <laughs> Give yourself a chance with a title like that. And it was the 80s. Yeah, he's thinking about his dick now. 
I think the You're... lyric is, are you worthy of such a big reaction? Oh, man. The, well, the 80s I, are full of cheese. I did there? That, well, it's not a hair metal, I'm sure man. Go, hair... I'm sure that'll go over great on, uh, yeah, on the Santa, revisionist history. Santa Monica and La Brea at about <laughs> oh, 1 o'clock in the morning. Hey, do you need to ride home, Cinnamon? Yeah, I normally <laughs> see you ride home. <laughs> do you know where, because I wasn't in L.A. at the time. Is that that's right, here. right out? Right here. That's you right know where the Shakey's is? Shakey's is right here. It's, yeah, yeah. It's a block from where we are. It's so it was right, where Benito's Tacos was. Right there, exactly. He was, oh my God. Right there. Okay. At three people, in the morning, people. offering a- um, Said he a, does it all the time. Good Samaritan. Listen, listen, you know, and a Range Rover at four in the morning, pulling over in a sort of shady spot to give mm-hmm. someone a ride home, which I commend. Right by the cement factory. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and the soon to be home, the Sirius XM. Yeah. Uh, and here's another thing. Let's go back to Eddie Murphy again. Mm-hmm. The hit song he had, Party All the Time, where he's aping uh, and Rick mimicking Rick James. Rick James wrote the song. So now he's got sort of a, a, a template to sort of follow because he's an actor and a darn good actor. And you leave him on his own. And now he's putting, put your mouth on me. And his son, he's feeling, and, and, and the tone of his voice, he, he hadn't found it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's interesting the two comparisons you just brought up because these actors haven't, they're really good at aping other voices, but not good at finding their own. Is that, is there any sort of uh, resolution there? I'm trying to see. I'm looking ahead to see how many I would say really do find their find their own thing. I, you know, it is worth pointing out that none of them got to really develop their musical career. Usually, they are dabbling, and so of they course. sound like, of course, but they want to sound know. like somebody or somebody shepherding them towards a hit. You yeah. know, right, right, right. But like I know, as somebody who's out there playing around with stand up and around a, a bunch of other people who are not established themselves, I'm seeing a lot of oh, that guy's kind of doing Louie and that guy's kind of doing that. right. M- not all of them will be doing that for forever, but that's a stage of being an enthusiastic beginner, intermediate kind of person, without a doubt. Well, if you you're know, good at sort of doing a Louis style, yeah. then then go do it, and then hopefully you find your own. I mean, right. that, that's what all bands do. Like when you start, you want to be whatever you want to yeah. you want the Sex Pistols, Pussycat, you want to yeah. be uh, Pink. Floyd. You, but the key is to find your own thing. Right. But since these are people who've devoted most of their time and energy to becoming successful actors, they, they act like what they think they should be. Yeah. And they are still in that still learning how to do it. They're just good enough to be dangerous, kind of like sing, <laughs> right. sing drunk at a party. And somebody's like, all joking aside, I mean, I know I stand here and blow smoke up your ass all day, every day, but right. this time I mean it. You're very, very good at this. So surrounded by enough yes people that yeah. tell them to go do something stupid. Do you have yes people? Did you have uh... I never. I was never an entourage guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I, I How can people found... be smart enough to be successful and be dumb enough to listen to their yes people? I, I don't know. I, especially because those yes people probably didn't get your, your success for you. No. You probably found them after the success, you know? And, and to me, I always found I could move a lot more stealthy without a lot of people around me. You know, when you like, when you get five, I see people walking through here. There's some celebrities walking by as we speak. And I, can just, I can feel energy. There's just there's people with clipboards and ear things. And like that, to me, causes way more thing than a guy with just a hat pulled. I mean, Leo DiCaprio has a hat pulled down, and, and he can boogie around this, this whole world of ours. So I think people want the entourage experience. You Absolutely. Know? I, I learned my lesson on that in the starkest possible terms the height of Christina Aguilera, stripped, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, beautiful Dirty. fame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she was on this show that I was on that Carson Daly hosted. Mm-hmm. And at that point in time, Carson Daly was just about as famous as Christina Aguilera was sure. for, for very different reasons. And she showed up with, I, I, it reminded me of, this was not too, too long after they had pulled Eliane Gonzalez out of that. <laughs> that was the process of moving. Oh, she's off the elevator. Go, 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 go. And you just see this little like hostage in the center right. of this maelstrom of people moving in. And then Car- the elevator, next elevator opens and Carson gets out with his baseball cap pulled over his eyes and walks in. You know, And, she, and they're both in Times Square, which is TR- TRL like central everybody's in town to go to trl in that neighborhood and it just goes to show how i'm sure in christina aguilera's mind she had no choice but to go around that way of course of course you know it's just it's i that's why i've always thought i was never also worthy uh, of like a celebrity like christina aguilera it's hard for me to talk about what someone else does security wise you know whatever you feel comfortable do your thing so i I had had a little bit of celebrity there got a little crazy but nothing where i couldn't i I never wanted a celebrity where i couldn't just go to 7-eleven get a coffee i I, I didn't you know so luckily that didn't happen some of them did and it was funny because i saw all of them in that era and that was the that was the golden age of the posse and it was just Funny how some of them did and some of them didn't. Well, it's also funny because that posse is draining your pocketbook. You oh know, all God, of a sudden, because yeah. you feel like, wait, my posse's riding with me to Paris and they all need to get plane tickets. You all need hotel rooms. You know what I mean? It's like. I just there's... don't even understand. What are the mechanics of, of, of 
going from, hey, you're this friend, and sure, you want, I like you, you're fun, you roll awesome blunts, like, oh, we're right. going to the party, you want to come too? I'll get you on the list, yeah. to, to payroll, to get that guy a hotel room to 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 yeah it's becoming to becoming a payroll how do you, how do you yeah. get on a payroll i don't it's 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 yeah the hip hop hip hop guys got that no, figured out you know i know I mean? and yeah. i can understand if there's a couple i do understand where you you cuz we we we've spent a lot of time in the show over the episodes talking about artists who sign bad deals who make bad decisions yeah. if you're smart enough to make it you are hopefully smart enough to realize that when you are sitting across the table from a, a record label executive, you're smart enough to know what you don't know. Which That's is, right. They're better at this game than you are. You are probably getting ripped off. Hopefully you've tried to not get that badly ripped off, but you're surrounded by people who don't have your best interests at heart. You don't really like being around them. If you have just money like, oh, I can do this little one-off gig at this nightclub and they'll give me 150 grand for that, to take two of your closest friends who are pretty broke themselves and go, I just want to have people around me that I know that I can, like that, that part of it I get. Of course. It's when we get to double digits, like what the fuck does that guy over there even it's do? Ridiculous. And, and also having wardrobe and makeup and all that, it's, that's, that's, that's a, such an added expense that like, I guess you know, some people need it, some people don't, but you're yeah. right. It's a, that's what's strange. And then when you start going down a little bit, you know, like, you know, you're not pulling them in like you see from the arenas, you're going to theaters and you still have the same entourage. Like yeah. some of the old heavy metal bands were going out with these full productions and the record would fail and they'd be down to, they'd start with eight trucks. They'd be down to like half a truck by the end of the, uh, of the tour. You know, yeah. you just gotta be smart. It doesn't just, it doesn't, it doesn't keep, uh, it doesn't last forever, man. You know? Yeah. Spinal Tap was a, was more of a reality based <laughs> movie than, I think most of the funny stuff in there was taken from something that happened to somebody. Supposedly the whole thing of, you know, uh, them running around backstage and couldn't find their way to the stage that's just straight up happened all of it happened apparently Jesus Priest I mean someone said Steven Tyler watched the movie and didn't laugh once he goes it's not funny he he thought it was like a real doc you know what I mean because he'd seen that movie a million times I've had that sensation watching uh, the Larry Sanders show oh yeah and what what, what capacity well because it's I'm on a talk show no, of course, and, of course. And I just, just was like, like, yeah, this is like, this is kind of what my, I mean, obviously it's, it's exaggerated and it's comedic. It's so and familiar that, that it's not like, funny. Yeah, this is yeah. my, yeah, my yeah, job. That's what we do. Yeah. <laughs> 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 hey, a little drama and you got personalities <laughs> and, you know, and that's right. That's like, exactly what it is. Gotcha. Yeah. That's what I do. <laughs> uh, another actor who has uh, taken multiple stabs. I think anytime this guy uh, gets a couple of drinks in him, he is apt to uh, pick up a guitar and prove to you what an authentic blues legend he is. Oh, uh, we're going Steven Seagal right now. Oh my gosh. You gonna have a boy child coming. You gonna be a son of a gun. I'm sorry, this is offensive. Listen to the affectation. Jump and shout. Shout. And the world gonna know. Boy. For a Jewish dude from Long Island, he's made a pretty good career being a Native American black man. Oh my god. <laughs> How many records has he made? Uh, a lot, I, right? I, I saw like three on iTunes, but I'm sure. He, I mean, he might, he might be cranking out one as we speak. Do you know what though? Steven Seagal is the ultimate winner of Planet Earth because he created this absolutely preposterous fantasy life for himself, and he now lives in it. Right, twenty four seven, and there's just enough outward reality that is willing to prop up. It's like a it's like a Truman Show thing. If you got to pick your own Truman Show, because and, and, he's in Russia with enough people around him, going like, "Oh my God, yeah, you could. Oh, please don't hurt me, Stephen Segal. Right, you could kick right. all of our asses right now if you wanted to. Right, you're wearing a, a giant tablecloth, and you know you're <laughs> four pounds." Of- and you know, but like, yeah, he's hanging with folks out there, you know, and, and Putin loves him. You know what I mean? <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's like it's it's a crazy. How did that happen? I don't. I, they just watched a couple movies and said, "We're buying this guy lock, stock, and barrel." We're we're, we're totally. They always say that that it, there was something about that '80s era of action movie that is just completely evergreen for a a big part of the 
you know, Eastern, Eastern Bloc. European. Somehow those videos got in there, and they just they took them as gospel. And those guys can just Van make, Damme's just another make, guy, make Dolph. I mean, you go all the way down yeah. the line. Yeah. Every even the most expendable expendable can make. It's <laughs> not make expendable. Some, can make some VOD shit. Can make like four movies a year right. of just them, you know, cracking skulls and like a really cementy, like kind of like this building. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but the effect, did you ever see that thing when he was a sheriff, Louisiana? Apparently he's a sheriff in Louisiana, the reality show. Was he a Cajun by and, that point? I, and he was talking Cajun, like, hey, y'all, y'all going go, y'all, y'all to get something to eat all that? He was, he was talking like that. And then the guys, the cops would come, they'd bust him, they'd arrest the guy, and he'd come in five minutes later like with, with the, with the uh, handcuffs and like put another set on him. It was great. Did anybody out there tweet I know me exactly, if you saw that? I know exactly you know what, what I'm talking about? Talking about? Yeah, I, oh, I do know. It wasn't oh, yeah, that yeah. long ago. He, no, no, no. He, he, was, was, like a, a, he was a Cajun lawman. Yeah, it was yeah, Cajun him lawman. And, him, and, him and Shaq were both cops. Cajun lawman. Um, let's see. This is a... Uh, is the first one. note, was that even a chord or a we note? We may have... Or, no, 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 no. It was like a it was like a missed note that he just left in. No. It's like the replacements moment where he's like, when it's, it's coming so from your soul. <laughs> let it go. You know? Just let it go. Don't overthink. You know, when you've already had the shaman come in <laughs> and bless the studio. The sage has already been laid out. It's and the done. spirits of Willie Dixon are floating around. You don't question it. You just go with it. Here's another actor turned musician That's with great. some success. Very 80s production, huh? That the music's fine like a sparkling wine. Go and have your Is the voice reminiscent of the voice that's got yeah, for sure? Yep. But while we're apart, please don't give your heart to anyone. And don't forget who's taking you home. May have been an expendable himself. It's not Frank Stallone. Now. Is it Wesley Snipes? No. <laughs> That's a stretch. Famed blues man, Bruce Willis. This is Bruce Willis? Can't you hear it now? Without a doubt. You know he had a top 40 hit in the 80s, right? With that Bruno. like yeah. that. He, but it was all bluesy. He was more of a heart player. Yeah, when he was, it was during his uh, Seagram's wine cooler phase. Right, doing the moonlighting phase. It's wet and it's wild. <laughs> <laughs> but he had a hit. He actually hit. It was he on did. MTV. He did. Is it the one that was just the most stolen song of all time? Or it was just yeah. It was a twelve bar blues. There's I, one. I no. There's. I gotta. I'll put that on another episode of of stolen music where it's like I looked it up and I was like, oh, this is this is. You know, sometimes you just. Yeah. I've, I've done it. You've probably done it where you take a piece of somebody's song and then you just find some whole other thing to do with it. And you're course. like, well, this is a cool song. I'll just get in contact with them and I'll say, I've made this thing. You'll get half of it and I'll take right. half of it. And as far as I can tell, there's never been any legal arrangement between this and the song that like, why? Well, Let's do it. Okay. So here's the song that I have in my little notes here. I'm not exactly sure why I put it in here, but I'm sure if I play it, I'll. So here's Bruce Willis off of The Return of Bruno. Okay. That's it. This is the hit. This is the hit. Respect yourself. This is a cover. That's it. Yeah, it's is... covered. It's covered. Aretha Franklin. Um, staple singers. Staple singers, good. But she did one too. Oh, okay. So I remember what it is now. So this is just a cover. That's cool. Covers are a thing. Right. How is this not Express Yourself by Madonna? Hey, hey, hey. Express yourself. If you want it right now. I mean, it's... Express yeah. yourself. You've got to make him express himself. Hey, hey. How is that not respect yourself? No, 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 It's very similar. What was Madonna's no, no? He goes, he, 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 he. She goes, hey, 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 hey. Like, hey, 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 right. So that was the one. Okay, now I remember what it is. I looked it up because I was like, oh, okay. She was like, I'm going to do a takeoff on, the, you know, in the in the 70s. It's And that's cool. That's legitimate. In the 70s, it was this black empowerment thing of respect right? yourself. Of course. Well, now I'm doing this express female yourself. empowerment thing. Express yourself. It's a little bit different. But 
as far as I can tell, is there, there was, a writing credit from no, the staple no, on I, there anywhere? I, I looked. I looked it up when I had that. When I heard it on, when I heard this song from Bruce Willis, which reminded me of the original, which made me think, obviously, of the Madonna song, since they're the same goddamn song. And I did not see anything on the Wikipedia page for "Express Yourself" about any similarity or uh, financial relationship. Maybe there. Maybe it was a inspired by situation because the verses are obviously different. That's mm-hmm. like, Cougar! you know, she's got a little different uh, thing happening. I don't know. There's a lot of cases made for a lot of songs as we've done this before. You know what I mean? Uh, and, and also a when you, when big you, one. And, and when somebody has like that huge of a hit. But they also so will also like when an artist is that big, they'll sort of let you get by. You know, Madonna, she's written so many songs. We'll, we'll let her go. Maybe it's going to give us some added attraction to our own song. Um, who knows? You know, we, we talked about this with Sam, uh, Sam Smith and um, Tom Petty before. Right. You know, it, 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 there's... I mean, Nirvana, back to them, they've got a lot of songs, straight Killing Joke riffs, you know, so it's, it's, it's interesting how that works. And Killing Joke just said, we never wanted to sue, we were, we, were, we were flattered. So I guess it's all subjective, isn't it, you know? I guess, I guess, maybe you can just hit the, the uh, plagiarism lottery where somebody's just crazy enough that they well, You don't. think, you know, whoever owns the Staples catalog probably aren't the original guys. Right. And probably was like, let me get some money. But, you know, it, like I said, it's all subjective. And it's not, that, that would have been a court battle. Yeah. It would have been a court battle. And if you don't have Madonna's lawyers, man, you don't have Madonna's lawyers. Yeah. If you know what I'm saying? So that, oh, oh, that's an expensive God, proposition to go Just, down that road for a hopeful payday. That's why so many people get ripped off. Respect yourself. No, 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 no. It's they're the same goddamn song. Well, they wouldn't have got 100%, that's yeah. for sure. No, they wouldn't have. They no. wouldn't have. You know, they didn't take a master like uh, like the Verve did. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. you know what I mean? So it, it would. It depends how much money you got, because if you're going to go after Madonna, it's going to be a long, protracted battle. I have heard. I have no way of verifying that that is the Mariah Carey school of songwriting, is I'll help myself to this, and I'll help myself to that, and if somebody has a problem with it, we'll go to court, and we'll figure out, you know. And I know Tommy. It, and, I, and I know Tommy. Matola. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, and it's the way that. very many people do business, and it's probably from a cynical point of view the right way to do business. As they say, it is better to ask for forgiveness than permission. But you're exactly right. And there's a lot of people beyond music that like make trademarks for technology. They yeah. go, like, you know, just come at me, bro. Yeah. <laughs> come right. at me, bro, if you want. Come at me, bro. You know? Come. Exactly. <laughs> so here's more music from. Okay. So this is an actor dabbling in music, and uh, it's a duet with an established musician who's an absolute household name okay so it's it's a per, actor person and a singer person duetting together and see if you can guess uh you know one or or both i'm gonna start singing ah here you go that's gwyneth paltrow and cruising and huey lewis yeah Another funny acting story. Okay. This is from a movie called Duets, I believe. Okay. And it's a movie about karaoke. Scott Speedman is in this movie. There was a time, believe it or not, people listening, I was popular into the American lexicon and culture. Remember it well. I got asked to be, to, to, I got asked to try out for Scott Speedman's part for this movie. Oh. Yeah, so. No kidding. I was following and tracking its, uh, its success. Or lack thereof, but this song was a big hit. Was it? Oh yeah, this was, this was top ten hit, and I was blown away. How oh, I, I was too cool at that point. You, you weren't even close listening to this, was, and I was, I was so off, chart savvy then. I was off buying uh, CD singles of Suede. <laughs> this is ninety eight, ninety nine. Okay, uh, and so I was really what's going on in the charts back then, and I believe this is a top ten song. And I was very impressed with the Gwyneth Paltrow's voice. You know what? The reason I tried to set it up, I, I didn't know you'd know the song. I feel like you, you would felt guess. like you felt like you, Hugh Lewis would have been the yes, novice. You would have guessed that there was a professional singer and that well some played. jackass was out there just belting <laughs> something along. Who is Jeez. that? Jim Belushi singing? Exactly, exactly. And he's just Huey Lewis, and this is not really in his wheelhouse. This is past his prime, Huey Lewis. Yeah. Huey Lewis is amazing. I'm a fan. Great, me but too. She is fucking great on this. Really, really good. And you, the way you started at first, when I first heard that great note, I'm like, yeah. oh my god, it sounds like Aretha Franklin or something. But then I went, oh. My- I knew the song right away. No, people go find it if they give a shit at all. There's, she does some really nice stuff in the verses. That's beautiful. Yeah. No, she's a... She, and, I, and, and, and the way she does her piece. runs without being, like, too runny. Yeah. And without getting too, like, woo. You know, well, very, we've, been, we've been criticizing these singers for being not quite ready for prime time. She sounds so 
relaxed. Effortless. Yeah. Effortless. And she's got her own tone. And yeah, that, that, that's a perfect example of an actress. That, which, you know, also, too, that's not her. She probably got asked if she wanted to do it from the movie. Mm hmm. And I don't think she uh, was forcing that down our throat. This was an organic effort that paid off. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because the song I remember was played everywhere, and uh, it was bigger than the movie, actually. Uh, I, I'll take your word for that. It sounds that sounds pretty likely. This next uh, song and artist was attempted to be. I can't really make the sentence work. They did try to shove this one down our throats. <laughs> I can't think of too many actors who have given a more honest, sincere go to the, uh, the uh, music thing. We talked about Jared Leto. Yes. Whatever you think of him, he, he put he put the work in and was one of the more polished emo bands, even among bands who that was their only job. Without a doubt. Um, I, I don't know if you're going to know this one. Is it Taylor Momsen? No. Oh, boy. Uh-huh. Is it Jada Pinkett? This is Jada Pinkett Smith. <laughs> and her band. Wicked Wisdom. Wicked Wisdom. <laughs> and this is not the early days. This is... Like after she was in that one movie that people liked with uh, Tom Cruise and Jamie Foxx, so, like she was a totally established, legitimate. She was a mom, and she spent a summer on like on the on Ozfest tour. or a Warped yeah, yeah, Tour yeah. or something. And, and by the way, doing like the 12 p.m. stage, no, like I know. early, opening up for Head PE. Can I hear a little more of this just for fun? How did she get interested in new metal? In new metal music. Uh, did Willow go listen to this new Adima Papa Roach single? Did Jaden go, hey. The kids were way too young for that. Have you heard the new Nonpoint? You know what I'm saying? Like, what was the angle that got her to spend a summer probably in a bus? Let's say she was in a bus. Oh, just himself. Yeah, she... No, break it down. Some lady who knows Jada Pinkett Smith. This is and, probably and one the, of the music most... video is exactly what you think it is. Like one room, black and white lit. Yeah, they're in a graveyard yeah. and there's mossy heads coming out of the ground. Quick and, edits. Yeah. Though it probably the most off the spectrum, unlikely delving into music from an actress ever, Jada. Pinkett Smith doing Wicked Wisdom. There and are, by the way, there was no like featuring Jada Pinkett Smith. Nope. It was Wicked Wisdom, find it out on your own accord. And they didn't really lead with her being, I mean, you know, she was no. in the band, so right. they knew that. But they they were going for it on their own. So my hat is off for the effort to that. Oh my God, yeah. But it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. And there are so many things people have wondered about and speculated about in the relationship between Will and and Jada, you know, people, do they have this crazy open relationship or, you know, she's a lesbian and he's gay and it's this Hollywood arrangement. Mm -hmm. If I could be, if I could know the, the real truth, like have videotape fly on the wall of any element of their relationship, more than anything else, I would just like to be able to watch the conversations that went down about, so babe. <laughs> what are you doing this summer? <laughs> Honey. It went great in the studio today. Let me play a little something. Right, right, right. And he's it's, just, just, it's just a rough mix, but you right. know, you'll get the idea. And he's coming off getting jiggy with it. You yeah. know what I mean? He's like, here's my singles, number one. You got, what, and, and guess what he had to do? Sounds great. Say he liked it, yeah. And, and and you know, I think it's a great idea to go on Ozfest for six months and leave me with the kids. <laughs> Dude, you know what? I admire that so much. I can't even. I can't. Even, I have. You know, there is no irony in that. No, I absolutely agree with you. I really, really. She, she, she meant it. And and so many of these things we're listening to were half-assed. There was her whole entire ass, and then some. In there. And it's not terrible for what that is no. i've heard songs like that that were hits on that respective uh you know respective genres and and, and and radio play i wonder if that ever got a top 10 look i wonder if it ever got played in mtv you know curious I bet you they, I bet you got some spins on fuel yeah it might have been fueled out yeah for sure for sure even if it had worked you would just be it's just so odd to be your peers are a bunch of 23 a bunch of juggalos dude <laughs> you know I mean? you're the 
this like 37 year old well hydrated yoga loving like, go to the met gala and wear dresses and then now yeah. you're in the back of a van playing the you know the churro stage at 12 15 <laughs> yeah. on a warp tour to to an utterly indifferent to eight people crowd, and yeah. probably they don't know that you're yeah, jada pinkett smith that's right that's how right. about that mm-hmm. a lot going on there yeah yeah like here's the thing she yeah. went to music going how can i make this the most difficult proposition for me possible oh she's a gamer yeah, well, definitely a gamer. Yeah. And she had to love the music. I want to know why she loves the music so much. <laughs> like, what's her shit? What's her background? <laughs> what's her, I mean, what, what, I mean was, it was Significant Other by Limp Bizkit get her in and just change her life? What was the thing that says, I am going to change my life Because you didn't grow up on him at all. No, dude. <laughs> she's in my favorite movie of all time, Menace to Society. Uh-huh. And then she's in Wicked Wisdom. I yeah. want to know how that bridge is crossed. I know, I know. <laughs> this next act is... Uh, one dude who's, uh, I think, relatively unknown and one massive Hollywood celebrity. And this is this is definitely a curiosity in its own right. I wonder if you will have heard this before. This is one of the more recent ones that we've heard. I think this happened in the last 10 years. Okay. Arcade Fire. I hadn't thought of that. You're absolutely right. It, 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 the track is entitled "My Body's a Zombie for You." Okay, so it's a, 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 is it a Macaulay Culkin or is it a no. Joaquin Phoenix? No, neither. Am no, I, not am someone I near? who is not someone who is outwardly that um, that literal. That painfully different. No, this is Dead Man's Bones featuring the Silver Lake Conservatory of Music for Children, a duo between some dude and Ryan Gosling. Wow. I'm planning on checking it out. It's it's just something interesting and compelling about it. So I think what it is is him and this guy who were friends or like friends of friends or what have you, I think wanted, realized they both like horror movies, wanted to make a horror movie, and then got interested in the idea of making a soundtrack to for, said movie. for the movie. And then I don't think either of them had a ton of musical experience. And so they were just like, well, let's just see what we can come up with. And they made some weird rules for themselves. I love, that's one of my favorite things about, I'm not a, I wish I liked listening to the White Stripes more than I do, but I love Jack White and just like what he is and mm-hmm. his big thing is putting insane limitations on himself. I, I read this interview. With like him what, do you, what do you mean? What do you okay, mean so he that? says, think about how many bands first album is made on a shoestring and nothing's working for them and it's a classic and then Guns N' Roses classic example. You have all the time, all the money in the world and, and it's just bullshit. And he's like, and I put two and two together that I limitations are freedom. Freedom is the worst limitation that you can have. So he said, the white stripes, no bass, mm-hmm. color scheme, black, white, red, right. childlike songs. He didn't say it, but right, a, right, a drummer right. who's never going to play a fill. Exactly. You right, know? Right, right. Sure, sure. Put all these limitations on, on himself. Did he figure that out before the white stripes or after the white stripes? Well, no, he was doing it for sure by the time they were making So was that thought out or that was that a revisionist was, no, 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 no. They're like an art project. Gotcha. Yeah, and I just think that's such an interesting way of doing stuff. So this band, I wouldn't be surprised if they knew that about him because they had a very similar ethos. This right, right, right. Them a band. No electric guitar. They had a couple different rules for like what they wouldn't allow, wouldn't allow themselves to do. And they made this like the soundtrack. Piano. Yeah, yeah. And they made this like soundtrack for this movie. And at some point, they gave up on making the movie. <laughs> I was gonna say I never the Dead Man's Bones. I never no. saw it. So the soundtrack came before the movie. Did, that is it. Several like choirs at the thing. Flea started. Flea. Do, do, I do not know. So it's it's totally a kids thing. I know Flea started a kids conservatory out there. I'm not sure if it's oh, well, that then one. I don't know how many. I mean, Silver Lake. Silver yeah, Lake. I don't know how many yeah. children's conservatories of music <laughs> are competing out there, out there right? For, yeah. your, for your dollar. It would kind of make sense that there is some sort of celebrity I, connection, right? There, because even if you're Ryan Gosling, it's a little weird to go knocking on the door and go. I, I agree. We got this this little ditty called "My Body's a Zombie for You." Exactly. Round, round up the kids. It sounds like he can sing, though. There was some vibrato in there yeah. that sounded like this guy knows. What, I mean, did he sing in La La Land? I never saw that movie. 
Oh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I did. Okay, so he can see. I could not do that movie. But... I, I never saw it. I just I can tell by when I see the tone of a preview that yeah, that's a that's a tough one. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm people people love it. You know, but I'm there's not this, people. There's this whole other subgenre I've been kind of finding out about about it's like freak folk or like dark folk or stuff like that where they're kind of intentionally trying to make this eerie dark folk kind of thing. And there's some really really fun stuff. I, I that was before I think that subgenre was said to exist, but is a pretty good example of what I'm talking about. Who are the ambassadors of this? I don't know. Folk? I just know there's this one band called um, Timber Timber, mm-hmm. and they had a song called "Run for Your Life" that they used in the. Um, Wild Wild Country, the documentary on Netflix. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. About the, 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 the yogi, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's this really good, really creepy. Sounds like it's old kind of thing. And oh, you listen to their albums, and it's, it's a thing. It's a vibe. It's, well, it's so many things have been done to death. I don't know that freak, creep, lo-fi, pol- uh, punk uh, folk has been done to death. So I'm just looking for uh, fresh veins. Remember the band, the guy from the, the band, the Trip, Tripping Daisies. Remember them? Uh, no, I I've never listened to them. Had a girl, came with me. I got a girl, she lived so sleepy. They, they had a song called uh, um, Night and Day, and they had dressed up in robes. It was about 10 years ago. I can't remember their name. It's, it's... Oh, God, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, sure, yeah. Um, I'm, I can't believe I've forgotten about this. Yeah, and they, 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 they had a very unusual record deal. Right. Because they had to There's get- There like 17 of them in it. And they there all was wore... tons of them, and yeah. they, they had to share- tour revenue with the record label before 360 deals was That's a right. thing because they were never going to sell That's that right. many records but they were such a live phenomenon they actually had to kick I think that was how they got the That's records exactly released. exactly correct. And I cannot and, think everybody they were a choir and they choir, all were choir were robes. Okay. Yeah, uh. that, that, that light of the day light of the day is a song night and day and then the, the guy was the uh, guitar player from Tripping Daisy I got a girl remember them from Dallas Texas? I don't but I remember when they Please, some of the name. The people at home are going, you losers. I know, everybody. God, I can't remember that. I, I think it's called Light of the Day, the song. Um, okay, so I, the best I can do is to start at the Tripping Daisy Wikipedia I, past I, members. God damn you, give me an associated act. Who's the guy? Uh, his name's Tim, Tim something. Tim, yeah, okay, here we go, here we go. Polyphonic Spree. Polyphonic Spree, that's it. To me, they would seem like the precursor of this. Uh, yeah. Like, you know, freak folk, freak folk, folk, folk. I get you. And I, man, actually, I love that song, that single. There's... We are uh, almost out of time. I what? Two God, more... these go by so fast. I know, I know, I know. But we have two more I really, really want to get to. Let me get this one okay. in here. This is- Are you going to Don Johnson me and Pat Swayze me? No, you, I'm not doing Don- The obvious? I'm not doing Don Johnson. Um, Pat Swayze, wanna, you know- uh, I like- She's like, she's the, like wind. the wind. Sounds like him. And we did Don Johnson on the failed follow because yeah, right. he had that one hit. <laughs> the 80s. Yep. Never was the kind of guy? This is not a guy. I don't know how you would guess this. It's obviously a girl. <laughs> yeah. Was she young when she did this? Very. Is it Brooke Shields? That's a decent guess. Yeah, it's your pre-chorus. That sounds off there. It does. There was but no sounds... auto-tune there, obviously. No, 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 no. It, just the sound of this, this was released only in Japan. Should have been a hit. It sounds to me like there is a certain differentness, otherness to a lot of Japanese pop music to this day, which well, I'm privy to because of my uh, marital relation. Sure. So four albums released, Japan only. She says she's happy she did it because she knows she would get made fun of, but they were actually successful in Japan. This is Heyday, Alyssa Milano. You're kidding she me. She was a pop star in Japan. Look, they're very upbeat sounding and, and Debbie Gibson-esque. That video is has some money put into it. Yeah. This sounds like every hit in the 80s. Yeah. I mean, Joey, La- Joey Lawrence had a hit. Not the greatest chorus, but very, very, very Debbie Gibson. Very Debbie Gibson. Very of the time. Yeah. I just read the Taylor Dane's book. Come at me. Oh, I want to read that. Oh, really? Dude, I read every autobiography right? ever. I don't care who it is. Mark Alden from Soft Cell. I don't care who it is. I just finished I just John to... Oates' book. Did you? Yeah. See, that would read... It's awesome. Is he? Does he like uh, Hall? Uh, I... Yeah. No. Say no more. <laughs> you, that was... 
the and most, dum, dum, dum. <laughs> the most obvious tension duo of all time. No, but he goes to the, there's a brother thing, and it's beyond brother. You know, the same thing you say while the guys in your band, you can't say <laughs> Right, right. And you say, do I, have, I think I have time for, there's one more really good one I want to. Oh, dude! I'll read every. I don't I care what it is. Even if on I just what it is. even if I just skip to the part where they got famous. I, oh, I, 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 I don't. I don't. I don't listen to any biography. My dad was a fire. I go straight to the like. So we got signed by Capitol, and I start there. Yeah. You can hear the vinyl. Another eighties. Eighty-three. Must know Bruce Hornsby, right? Must have been a friend. Be going instrumental for a while. These guys were in no rush. Look <laughs> here. Yeah. I'm told this was a really big hit in the Philippines. Someone likes David Bowie. Very romantic, but in a new sort of way. Right. Yeah. Very new, wavy, new rowy. It sounds like Charlie Sexton. Beat so long. Is it an American speaker with an English accent? No. English person. English celebrity. Okay. That should narrow it down. I know who it is. I bet you do. I do. It's Ricky Gervais. This is Ricky Gervais's band, Siona Dancing, and their signature tune, More to Lose. By the way, had a full record deal. They were yep. signed to Epic or something, or they were. They, this was not a... This was not a pet project. This mm-hmm. was he was a musician before he was a comedian. Yeah, that's why the whole David Brent thing with the, him him being exactly not where that came from. Yeah, this was an earnest shot at being a pop star, and he kind of looks like Robert Smith in the video. Have you ever seen the video? No. The video is awesome. I can only imagine. Uh, he's actually good looking and skinny. And yeah. yeah, yeah. Good call. Good one. Yeah. All right, maybe we'll just let this take us out. Just let it wash over you. So I like this. I like this song. It's not bad at all. This is a professional effort. Man, the Philippines, we're on to something. Good choices. Thank you, thank you. Great to see you as always. You too, bro. Mark underscore McGrath, the 90s on 9. Mark McGrath's 120 Friday nights, then airing throughout the weekend. That is it. Bam. Thank you, sir. I was tired of thinking that.